Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome back to Land of Bourbon and Bad Decisions live on Podbean.com and on the Podbean app. Here we are engaged in the relentless daring pursuit of truth, justice, and American jackassery. Um, so, I've learned from other people in this industry, whether it be actual radio, whether it be podcasters, whether it be television... Whenever you screw up, whenever you make a mistake, lead with it. Let people know that you're not infallible. Because, frankly, there's a lot of people who listen to podcasts and other political commentators, and they they fall in line behind the way they think and the conclusions they come to as being gospel. Uh, they're, that nothing they say is wrong. It, you know, they, they're looking for the confirmation bias. So, uh, earlier this week, I got into a, a Twitter kerfuffle, a dust up, if you will, with former Missouri Secretary of State, Jason Kander. Well, n- not necessarily so much with uh, Jason Kander, but his followers on the Twitters because I'm human, and as I am prone, as all humans are prone to do, sometimes the outrage mind causes you to say or type things before you really stop and think about what you're typing. I don't even remember what Jason Kander had said on Twitter, but I came back with a scathing, yeah, there's a reason you're not our governor, get bent. Well, that was the first of many mistakes. Because Mr. Kander retweeted said tweet with the comment that had... Maybe it's because I didn't run for it. Well, okay. I stopped and I went and looked it up because I I had it in my head. Yes, he had run for governor. Well, as people are wont to do after four years and, you know, military deployment or two in between, things kind of get mixed up. And I looked up and, oh, he didn't run for governor in 2016. He ran for Senate. (gasps) Okay, well, these things happen. I came back and 
I can see the point. Ah, yes, you're correct. I I confused you and Chris Coster, who ran for governor as the Democrat in 2016. Mistakes happen. Well, at that point, the mob had already glommed on and has and has been proven over and over and over and over again. No amount of kowtowing or apologizing will satisfy the mob. Once blood is in the water, that is all the mob wants. They're like sharks that way. And there were several people that it's like, yes, he is correct. I, I got my facts messed up and yeah, I said the wrong thing. And but oh no no no. Uh you should delete the tweet and you should delete your account. Wait, really? But I, I reached out on Twitter and you know, Mr. Candra, I apologize. Number one, what I said was uncouth. I shouldn't have said that, you know, shouldn't have told you to get bent. That was unbecoming. And yes, you are correct. I uh, I got those two things mixed up and, you know, I apologized. You know, I explained that it's been a number of years. I was in Afghanistan during that race. And so I was not really able to, you know, be as fully involved as I could have been. And he offered me the grace that I sought. <clears throat> and, you know, he, he forgave me for my shortcomings there, and I appreciate that. Uh, and there's a number of people who still decide that, oh, what you did was so very, very bad. Um a couple people went to the website relentlessdaring.com and they got on the contact form and they one person was absolutely outraged that in this time in these difficult times that how dare I ask people to donate to the website or to buy a t-shirt I'm taking food which is in short supply I'm taking food off their tables. What are their children going to eat? Oh my gosh. I'm so horrible. It's an awful, awful human being. It's like, no, I don't ask that they give anything they don't have. If they, if any of y'all listening to this don't have the money to buy a t-shirt, then don't buy a t-shirt. If you don't have money to donate to the website, so that I can go into making this better for you, then don't give money. That's the amazing thing about free will capitalism is no one is having their arms twisted into doing anything they don't want. If you don't want to give me your money, fine, don't give me your money. It's cool. Maybe there'll be someone else who will. I don't need yours per se. And... Then um, one person told me that via the contact page that I should eat um, a very oddly flavored moon pie. Uh, Richard flavored, I believe is what he said. I, I, I'm assuming he, um, they used a non-diplume 
and just kind of and used a fake email address because, yep, everyone, everyone is a vicious, vicious attack dog when on the Internet. And there's some modicum of anonymity. For me, it, it's hard to have modicum of anonymity when, you know, my username on Twitter is Real Tyler Morgan. I don't hide, which is precisely why I never deleted that tweet on uh, Mr. Kander's thread because I made a mistake. The mistake is now out there on the public record, and even if I delete it, the internet is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And it will always be there. Someone can go back in a Wayback Machine and go, look, you said something stupid. And it's like, yeah. So I own my stupidity and I own my mess-ups because that's what I do. It's called integrity. If, if I'm going to have the, the large, shiny, brass cojones to say something stupid, right, you know, and be wrong, yeah, why not? Why can't I let it stay out there? I'm not going to hide. One person actually asked, are you incapable of being embarrassed? Yeah, I am capable of feeling embarrassment. But why should I be embarrassed? Because I said something dumb. I made a mistake. Mistakes are what they are what you use to learn. If you did everything right all the time, you wouldn't ever learn anything. And how boring would that be? There's all kinds of conversation going on here. Tyler, you have a new fan. My nurse, whose name is also Tyler, I... <laughs> Is dying laughing. I am, I am got um. It's from Alyssa. Alyssa had had a little uh, head surgery this week. Uh, sounds like everything went well. I mean, you're still alive. You're here listening to the show, so I'm I'm, I'm glad you made it through. I hope everything goes well. Mm. Scuba Steve says ending net neutrality will kill us all. No, 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 no. The coronavirus is going to kill us all, or at least all the old people. I don't know. <laughs> yes, yeah, so Alyssa's not dead, just suffering a rough recovery. Hey, I hope the recovery goes well. Um, but again, to those of you who are willing to look past someone screwing up, someone saying something dumb, thank you. I. It it's a. It's really asking a lot these days to say, well, you know, you should have some grace because sometimes people say and do dumb things. Ain't nobody perfect. There's only been one perfect person to walk this world, and that is my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if I were to hold everybody in this world, including myself, to that standard... Oh my goodness, um, I'd be depressed and hating on everybody, including myself, because there's no way, there's no way anyone can live up to those kind of standards. But, such is life, and to those of you who are willing to give a 
poor infantryman who is prone to, you know, shooting shooting off from the mouth, or in this case, the thumbs, a little quicker than what he probably should, willing to give me the chance. You know, thank you. Thank you for sticking with me. Thank you for not being part of the uh, It's a Witch Burn Her crowd. Besides, I'm not made of wood. I do not weigh the same as a duck. Therefore, I'm not a witch, and I will not burn. There is a daughter sitting in the other room who heard me make that reference, and she is now dying as she's trying to do a jigsaw puzzle. I, Ladies and gentlemen, this has been a great show. Thank you for tuning in. But now, um, so let's just get into some actual, uh, actual show content. So, uh, one of the big things I brought up in the uh, show notes for this is that, um, ladies and gentlemen, big tech censorship is back at it again. So, uh, anyone who's been on Facebook or Twitter in the last three, four years, GIFs. Ladies and gentlemen, gifts the greatest use of the internet ever. Not only do you, can you make a meme, but you can make it move. Uh, Steve says, back? When did it leave? Ah, uh, yes. Um, it's never really left, but it's, it's just getting worse. Uh, one of the greatest providers of memes and GIFs on the interwebs is an app called Giphy. Well, old Zuckerberg and his company you may have heard of. It's called Facebook. Uh, they bought Giphy for $400 million as tech giant pledges to banish all, quote, Hateful memes, end quote. So you're going to banish dank memes? I mean, what one person deems hateful, some would deem insightful. What some say, oh, that's offensive. Some would go, it's way more true than you know. But uh, again, this is a story from Zero Hedge. Remember when Jeff Bezos agreed to buy the Washington Post back in 2013 for a paltry $250 million? Alyssa just asked if I said dank memes. Yes, I did say dank memes. Because the best memes are the dankest memes. Well, nearly 10 years later, Facebook has reportedly agreed to pay $400 million for Giphy, described by Axios as, quote, a popular platform for animated images, end quote. The deal comes to the Trump administration. DOJ cranks up antitrust scrutiny of tech titans. Which, in related news, uh, three minutes, three minutes prior to uh, the government announcing antitrust investigations into Alphabet and Google... Uh, one billionaire, George Soros, I said three minutes before this was announced, George Soros dumped 
a crap ton of alphabet stock. And it's absolute. it's like, huh, isn't that interesting? I wonder if he's going to face the same scrutiny that, say, I, I don't know, the uh, these uh, Republican and sent Republican-Democrat senators and congressmen face when they left a a uh, a secret, uh, not a secret, a secure meeting concerning uh, a, a lot of the coronavirus stuff and then went out and promptly sold a bunch of stocks that could have been affected by coronavirus. Hmm. It's interesting. All right, Sean says it. It is the memes that make us strong and sarcastic. Yes. Ah, dank memes. Gotta love them. Um, anyways. Uh, Takeaway, according to Axios, is that Facebook's powerhouse advertising business will enable it to easily monetize Giphy's content, potentially transforming the business into an extremely profitable one. Uh, background, a source close to the situation, says that the two companies first began talking prior to the pandemic. Although that was more about a partnership than an acquisition. As uh, a quote from Axios, Giphy is expected to retain its own branding, with its primary integration to come via Facebook's Instagram platform. New York-based Giphy has raised $150 million in VC funding since its 2013 inception, from firms like Betaworks, which incubated blah, 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 and a whole bunch of different uh, capital partners that went into it. Bottom line, Giphy is a massive video library with hundreds of millions of daily users that share billions of gifts that generates revenue via branded content. Adding Facebook's ad sales and marketing firepower that could be what transforms it from a popular service into a highly profitable one. Which, okay, that sounds all above board, but you get into it a little further. Again, this is back to the Zero Hedge article. Adding an extra layer of irony, Facebook this week announced its launch of its Hateful Memes Challenge, where researchers will compete for a cash prize to develop an AI that can, quote, successfully detect hateful memes, end quote. I.e., anything that anyone finds offensive, probably a much broader category than many realize. So, what's offensive to you? I mean... Earlier this week, I discovered an amazing meme. Uh, anyone who is a fan of old vaudeville-style comedy, perhaps you remember uh, a certain Abbott and Costello bit called Who's On First? A, you know, Bud Abbott has just become, you know, the coach for the St. Louis Wolves. And his exasperated buddy, Lou Costello, is trying to figure out who is on the team. Scuba Steve, who's on second? No, what's on second? Thank you for thank you for playing. But uh, yeah, this meme could be de- determined to be offensive by people who love the World Health Organization. Scuba Steve said, I don't know. That's third base. I don't give a damn. He's a shortstop. 
back to the show. So, you know, it, it's Bud and Lou standing there. Lou asks, Trump stop funding who? Yes. So who doesn't get the money? Not a penny. But what's the name of the organization? Who? The one's not getting the money. Who is not getting the money? That's what I'm asking you. <laughs> uh, they're telling they're telling each other to stop picking on the show because who's on first one of the greatest bits of all comedy, and then just going into this, uh, you know, as I said that that meme could be could be determined to be offensive. Now I do have some that that I've acquired via the interwebs. That, oh yeah, legitimately, legitimately offensive to people of weak constitution. But me, I don't find it offensive because I've seen much, much worse than what is depicted in said memes. But I'll give you a hint, hint of what could possibly be in it because it's a yellow meme. But so now you have Facebook who's trying to figure out what people find offensive, I'm sorry, um, there's going to be anti-theist memes making fun of any and all religion. Who's going to be offended by that? Probably religious people of all stripes, not just Christians, Jews, or Muslims. You're going to have Hindus and Buddhists and uh, Pastafarians who, are, who get upset at these anti-theist memes. I referenced Pastafarians, and there is a laughing teenager in the other room. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, the show is over. Thanks for tuning in tonight. But, you know, there are people of all stripes are going to be offended by something. You can't go through life without being offended. Many of us are used to finding, coming across offensive smells, offensive noises, offensive people. And we're going to let our panties get all in a bunch over memes. I am glad social commentators like George Carlin or Lenny Bruce are no longer alive. Because their minds would explode. These are people who they are noticeable. They are notedly left leaning. They would look at what the left is doing today and say, have you lost your damn minds? This is the stuff that we were fighting against in the 60s when Lenny Bruce was getting arrested for using F-bombs and talking about sex and self-pleasure on a public stage in a comedy show. Because it was offensive. It was obscene. And then now we have people, it's a non-issue to have a mom who is a stripper go to their child's career day and give a demonstration on what she does. That's not offensive. You have people who are trying to normalize pedophilia. Well, that's not offensive. That that's a that's a 
that's a uh, parasexual, uh, whatever, some lots of big fancy words to try to normalize it. It's no diff. It's no different than being turned on by feet or people in stockings. They're children. The very notion of trying to make pedophilia normalized is offensive. But now you you have people who say, oh, you posted a pro-Christianity meme. That's offensive because I don't believe in your God. Or you get the people who are, I'm a Christian and that is not what my Bible from the Church of Unitarian Universalism teaches. Well, the Church of Universal Unitarians is um, quite heretical if you actually follow the tenets of the Bible. But neither hither nor yon. Now, we have Facebook trying to figure out memes that offend people. Since... Since when did we become such a soft society that we let funny pictures get under our skin and, oh, it offends me. Could it possibly be because the left can't meme and so the only way they can defeat memes is by taking away all the good ones from people? I, I don't know. I, it, it's a possibility. I don't think that... Uh, I, I don't think any platform that supposedly supports free speech should be in the business of dictating what is or isn't proper speech. Because then, the next thing you know, you have Big Brother saying, Ah, 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 Dave. You can't say that because it's not in line with the new speech. Yes, I, I know. Someone is out there going, Wait, did he just combine 1984 and 2001 to Space Odyssey? Yes, I did. Get over it. But... It's ridiculous that to think that you know, you know, it's bad enough you already have social media platforms. <laughs> Scuba Steve, Scuba Steve says it was nicely done. My combining of two wholly separate, uh, one sci-fi, one a future in which. Everything we say and do is controlled. Even the resistance is part of Big Brother. But it's it's absolutely disgusting, though, that you have platforms who say that they're forced free speech turn around and police what people say and do. It's absolutely mind-boggling. I'm going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back after this.
This is Tyler from Relentless Daring, and I am launching the brand new RelentlessDaring.com merch shop. Instead of having to go to a third-party vendor, now you can do everything right there at RelentlessDaring.com. If you want to buy merch, go to RelentlessDaring.com slash shop, and there you can get hats, you can get t-shirts, you can get hoodies, you can get coffee cups, you can get stickers. Go there today to show your love for the Relentless Daring Podcast, and as always, stay relentless. All right, so I did kind of promise going into this that, well, I didn't really promise, but it it's in the description. Uh, Andrew McCarthy, this is an uh, article from Red State. Andrew McCarthy, he's a retired federal prosecutor, lays out perhaps the biggest scandal involving Michael Flynn, and it could be explosive. Uh, the level of corruption emanating from the Michael Flynn ordeal continues to be revealed as staggering. To qualify the headline, there are a lot of real scandals surrounding the Flynn ordeal that splinter out in, a mul- in multiple directions. But Andrew McCarthy focuses in on one of the most serious questions, one of which the author noted in their analysis yesterday. Despite Wednesday's blockbuster news about dozens of Obama administration officials who unmasked, which, for those of you who have not been getting inundated with unmasking and Blah, 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 for the last six to 12 months and going all the way back to 2016, 2017. That is where, when an American civilian who or an American citizen who was caught up in a foreign surveillance uh, operation, whether it's for, whether it's completely benign or they're participating in some sort of, you know, bad, bad shenanigans. And the government says, hey, we want to know who American Citizen 1 on this tape is. And they look into it, and they reveal that it is Bob from down the street. Or in this case, a retired U.S. General, Michael Flynn. All right, so anyways, back to this. Uh, and then coming Trump National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, there remains a gaping hole in the story. Where is the record showing who unmasked Flynn in connection with his fateful con- conversation with Russian Ambassador Sergei Kislyak? As I wrote my piece, this leaves only two possibilities. Either there's a cover-up in which the records dictating the unmasking requests of the call were destroyed, or he was never masked in the first place. Evidence suggests the latter is more likely, but if Flynn was never masked, yet his name was disseminated to Obama and his officials as raw intelligence, how exactly did that happen? It's a fair question. Uh, What McCarthy hits on is an angle that seeks to answer the question, one which could prove potentially explosive. The implication is that Kislyak was probably subjected to traditional FISA surveillance by the FBI, or, since he lived in Russia and traveled to other places when not in America, perhaps he was targeted. Perhaps he was also a FISA Section 702 target. In either event, or both, Kislyak was interacting with Americans who were thus incidentally intercepted. 
that, the story goes, is what must have happened to Flynn. Trump's designated national security advisor was unmatched because once intelligence agents intercepted the December 29th phone call, they decided it was essential to identify the person with whom the Russian ambassador was discussing sanctions that President Obama had just imposed against Moscow. I no longer buy this story. If it were true, there would be a record of Flynn's unmasking. DNI Grinnell has represented that the list he provided to Senators Grassley and Johnson includes all requested unmaskings of Flynn from November 8, 2016, you know, when Donald Trump was elected president, through the end of January 2017, when the Trump administration had transitioned into power. Yet it appears not a single listed unmasking pertains to the December 29th Kislyak call, which that is definitely something I... I've noticed in seeing these, like, wait, all these dates were the unmasked. I mean, some of them were after. So when transcripts of the call were, you know, were made and sent to hire once the analysts were done with it, then it's like, huh, okay, it's it's possible that word of the transcripts got to hire from the analysts, but. I don't know. I'm not an intel analyst. I don't work for the CIA. I don't work for NSA or any of these uh, intelligence organizations. I never claimed to be a military intelligence, uh, you know, enlisted soldier or otherwise. But so I really don't know because I don't know how it, how all that goes goes up the chain. Here's what we know. There were no unmasking requests related to Flynn Kislyak call. We also know that Flynn was never under FISA warrant, something confirmed by DOJ IG via previous investigations. Given that, what McCarthy theorizes is that wasn't FBI, wasn't the FBI via FISA who intercepted and shared the Flynn call, which was which has been the most widely theorized explanation to this point. Rather, it must have been an entity not bound by masking regulations. That leaves the CIA as the most probable source of what the FBI eventually took into the interrogation of Flynn. Scuba Steve says there is no, no such thing as military intelligence. Technically true. They have people who claim to have that military occupational specialty. But I'm not exactly sure what it is they do. Uh, every time I've gone to the S2 office, which is, you know, your, you know, battalion or brigade level intel shop, there's it's just usually people coloring with crowns. I mean, they're not eating the crowns, so they're better than Marines. But, you know. Uh, remember, for years, we've been assured that the CIA was not involved with the Flynn ordeal, nor the Trump-Russia investigation. The reason for the pushback is obvious. The CIA is not chartered to spy on and investigate American citizens. If there was ever an admission they intercepted and disseminated the Kislyak call, it would further the scandal greatly. Yeah. But, as McCarthy points out, Flint just so happened to be on vacation outside of the U.S. when the call was intercepted. In other words, 
It looks like Obama's spying operation on the incoming Trump presidency was so pervasive, it went all the way to the CIA, which, you know, was headed by noted uh, communist John Brennan. To the point they were bending the rules, i.e. Flynn off U.S. soil temporarily, to gather and disseminate information on Flynn back to the Obama administration. Which, again, if the CIA has already been made aware of, you know, Michael Flynn, and so they're opening up investigations. And so that has already gone up to the, gone up to the White House, where Barack Obama could tell, you know, John Brennan and James Clapper, keep an eye on him. And they do a little under the table uh, illegal spying. It would be quite. It would be quite possible. So I mean, the the fact that uh, this is all starting to come out as more and more of these documents are getting released by uh, DNI Grinnell. It really. It could could, emphasizing could for a reason, very possibly, in a perfect world, lead to somebody going to jail over all this. And the the problem is, there are so many people who know so much dirt that really makes it hard. I mean, you would think the Secretary of State who allowed her ambassador, someone who she said was her friend, to be murdered in a 13-hour attack on U.S. consulate in Libya can get away scot-free. Where's the political will to really go after these higher-ups in the U.S. intelligence service? John Brennan, James Clapper, uh, going after people in the FBI who fraudulently changed 302 forms about the investigation. People who knew that Michael Flynn was not being deceptive and they did say that yeah the the what we could say he lied on is immaterial and technically we couldn't charge charge him with lying to the FBI to begin with but you know I I just honestly I don't see anything of note happening at all because of the fact that there's a long history of things like this going going unpunished in the military or well yeah even in the military it, you know they they find a fall guy they find a bag man who's the uh oh 
this is the bad guy. This is this person's fault. And it ends up being, you know, somewhat inconsequential. I mean, I think the only time where you started seeing people go to jail over stuff like this was after Watergate. After Nixon had ordered the FBI to start lying and uh, performing cover-ups to protect him. Now, the break-in at the Watergate Hotel itself was inconsequential. I mean, even without stealing those record those uh, you know, documents, whatever it was they actually broke in there to steal, I uh, Nixon trounced McGovern, period, end of story. There was, you know, one of the biggest upsets, in, or not biggest upsets, one of the biggest uh, biggest electoral college wins in American history. I'm sorry, Donald Trump, it wasn't you. Oh, sucks on that one for you. But you look at these other things. Um, how many how many people actually went to jail for Iran Contra? You had one. You had a Marine Lieutenant Colonel who fell on the sword for everybody else. Yeah, everyone above him and those subordinates that he was that he was ordering to uh you know to actually make it happen. Um Waco you have a, a number of tactical errors that were made by the FBI and ATF. But no one really, no one really on the government side got in trouble for, you know, send, sending uh, ATF agents to serve a warrant even as they're being warned by by an undercover agent, they know you're coming. There will be bloodshed if you show up. Like you said, I yeah, this is gonna be a huge bombshell revelation if what you know Andrew McCarthy is saying is true. But is it actually going to change anything? Is it going to affect the outcome in the end? I don't think it does. I think it's just going to be just another, you know, smoke and mirror show that goes on and, you know, allows senators and to sit and sit on C-SPAN and yell at people. You know, maybe subpoena Joe Biden and... Uh, you know, ask the question the New York Post wanted to know. What did he know and when did he forget it? There's just... I mean, the preponderance of evidence that the previous administration grossly, grossly misused uh our intelligence agencies and our law enforcement agencies 
to go after a U.S. citizen because why? Trying to get to the president or trying to get to candidate Trump, trying to get to president-elect Trump, trying to get to newly, you know, the duly elected and sworn-in president, Donald Trump. I mean, it's stomach-turning. Alyssa says Democrats will never allow Biden to be subpoenaed. Yeah, I... Well, yeah, they'll, they'll allow him to be subpoenaed. Will they allow him to actually testify? Probably not. They'll they'll fight like hell to keep him off that stand. Or every question will be answered with the phrase, under advice from my counsel, I am invoking my Fifth Amendment rights. And I honestly see James Clapper saying that. I see John Brennan saying that. If if the Messiah of the left, Barack Obama himself, were to be pulled in and sworn in and say, you will answer these questions under oath, under penalty of perjury, he will say, I have been on I have been advised by my counsel to invoke my Fifth Amendment rights. And no questions will be answered. The only thing that will get any answers made is if they were to find someone high enough and willing to and willing to testify and take immunity. Because, you know, just like any just like any mob boss is taken down by an insider who's offered immunity. That's that's the only way they're going to take down this cabal at the top of uh, the Obama administration is if someone within the administration who knows where the bodies are buried says, I will tell you everything I know only if I am granted immunity. But neither here nor there. I mean, I... I would at least be happy for answers. I would be happy. I'd be even happier if they were to, you know, stop, you know, reauthorizing the FISA courts. Because do we really need an extrajudicial court system that doesn't ha- necessarily have the same due process in order to get a get a warrant to conduct foreign intelligence surveillance? I mean, we've already seen, you know, through Carter Page and George Papadopoulos that, oh, these can be misused against American citizens. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. But, oh, shenanigans, shenanigans, shenanigans. And last thing before I get off here. I've been saying the whole coronavirus has been here a lot longer than we thought. Well, uh, 
is an article from the Seattle Times from just a few days ago, uh, the 14th, so Thursday, and it was updated this morning at 10.25 a.m. This is uh, from Lewis Cam at Seattle Times. She came down with the bug two days after Christmas, and for the next week or so, Jean, a 64-year-old retired nurse, suffered through a series of worsening symptoms, dry hacking cough, fever, body aches, and finally a wheeze that rattled her lungs. But after two trips to the doctor, chest x-rays, and prescriptions for several medications, including a duoneb solution inhaled through a nebulizer, her condition slowly improved. Months later, after the, no- the novel coronavirus pandemic had exploded across western Washington, the nation and into the American consciousness, Jean and dozens of others like her have wondered in their, if their early winter colds really were undiagnosed cases of COVID-19, the illness caused by the virus. But her case didn't seem to fit the profile. She hadn't traveled abroad, and the official timeline was off. The first known patient was infected by COVID-19, a Snohomish County man who'd recently traveled to China. It wasn't even confirmed until more than three weeks after she became ill. Quote, when I got sick, I, I didn't even know what COVID-19 was, said Jean, a resident of rural Snohomish County, who asked to only be identified by her middle name. But after Jean received word from her doctor earlier this month, a highly touted serology test found a sample of her blood positive for antibodies. She's now convinced the official timeline is wrong, and public health officials say she may be right. Uh, Jean is among two Snohomish County residents who have tested who have positive serology tests potentially linked to COVID-19-like illness dating back to December, throwing into question whether the coronavirus arrived in Washington and the United States earlier, earlier than previously known. And, of course, once if uh, this episode actually goes up on YouTube, because it's going against the uh, dictates and mandates of the World Health Organization, this video, or the video version of this podcast will probably be taken down because I'm challenging the official narrative. Because being contrary is fun. Well, like I said, it's one of those things where if it's about a one, one to two week incubation period from the time you contract it to the time you begin exib- exhibiting symptoms... That means she would have had to gotten it, what, second week of December-ish? Which means she hadn't been overseas, so that means she got it through community spread from someone else who either been overseas in, the, in November or had come in contact with someone in November who already had it. So, that moves everything up considerably. Now, would that possibly affect the number of actual people who've had it? Yes, absolutely. Could it possibly make it look more lethal if they start finding other deaths that could be contributed to COVID-19 who had got gotten it before the official timeline started absolutely which 
You know the left is looking for their body count. They would love to add another couple thousand to the body count. But at the same time, if it's been here longer, we've never noticed it. Or we did notice it. It's like, huh, that's weird. You're not testing positive for the flu. That's just some other random viral. You'll be here, you know, you know, take this for the fever, get plenty of rest, drink fluids. Yeah, that's a, your lungs sound awful rough here. I'll put you on a nebulizer so, you know, hopefully get that, uh, get you opened up so you can breathe better. I don't know. I, it really throws off all of the panic porn that's being peddled via, oh, wow, that's some alliteration. The peddling of panic porn. And I'm not even going to try to go on because I'm pretty sure I'll just leave me down a rabbit trail that no one really wants to listen to. But, you know, all these official narratives that have been, oh my God, this is so bad, this is so bad, it's killing all these people. Well, something that people tend to forget, during World War II, polio was a thing, a very bad thing. We had troops who were getting sick and dying without ever going into combat because of polio. During the Civil War, we had cholera that would just rip apart Union and Confederate camps because of tainted water. Woodstock, the largest concert known to, to you know, in U.S. history... It occurred in the middle of the Hong Kong flu pandemic that killed 100,000 Americans alone. Now, I am not saying that the the SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19 novel coronavirus, I'm not saying that it's something we should take lightly. I'm simply suggesting that It's much ado about a lot less than we thought. Not necessarily nothing, but as as more and more of these serology tests are coming back, showing percentages of people who like said I was never sick or I had a touch of something, and they've got the antibodies, and it's starting to you know have casualty numbers equal to the flu, 0.01%. But for some reason, the if you challenge the narrative, you know, if I may paraphrase one Steve Dace, we need a better class of demagogue besides you just want old people to die. Uh, Scuba Steve says, we must protect everyone from a devastating virus with survival rate of only 98%. Oh, it, it's, I think it's a higher survival rate than that of like 99.9%. Just saying. The light, I mean, unless you live in New York City, 
which has been absolutely ravaged. Unless you live in uh, St. Louis, is getting hit fairly hard. Um, I mean, the majority of cases and deaths in Missouri are what St. Louis, St. Louis County, St. Charles County, and around Kansas City and St. Joseph, but. They're not necessarily, not necessarily, uh, you know, shouldn't have been shutting down the entire country for a handful of places. Uh, targeted lockdowns, I, I was fine with that. Okay, St. Louis, you apparently have a huge problem going on. You know, here are some measures that should that will work if you can if you can enforce them. But you know, when little rural Laclee County, which is just now eight weeks into it, up to three confirmed cases. Three confirmed Producer, where are you with the music? is now up to three confirmed cases oh my god I need to hire a better producer He's sitting there with an iPad in front of him can't even hit the button to make it make music Jesus what am I going to do with you so lucky you don't have a microphone in front of you so again I'm not saying coronavirus has been nothing. I'm saying it's been... Scuba Steve says my producer sucks. I agree. No, you look like an idiot. See what what I have to deal with? See what I have to deal with every week? This moose knuckle is just absolutely horrendous. I don't know how I put up with him. Anyways, I'm not saying this is much ado about nothing. I'm saying it's much ado about not as much as we originally thought. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for the show this week. Again, those of you who stuck with me through through the uh, Twitter scourging and the uh, the beating I took online, thank you so very much. If you're listening to this because I've suddenly I've suddenly come into your consciousness and you think you're going to get me. By all means, try to get me. I love playing. I, I love people trying to uh trying to uh internet shame me because they don't like my opinion. Makes me that much more fun to deal with. But again, thank you so very much. Um this show is as always is brought to you by you the listener. Um though if you want to support the show uh, go to relentlessdaring.com at the top of the page and at the bottom of the page if you actually scroll down far enough you'll notice a donate button click on that and you can either do a one time donation or you can set up a monthly donation again as as opposed to people who want to drag me down because I'm trying to make a profit off people during their times of want and woe and lamentations I do not ask for anything that you cannot afford to give. So those of you who are able to give, thank you so very much. Everything right now, I am not making a profit on the show. I'm just 
I think I'm breaking even. I haven't looked at the numbers lately, but I'm breaking even because of you. Uh, you, uh, you all are funding the show. You're keeping it on the air. You're keeping equipment up to date. You guys bought me a new computer to record on. So thank you. Um, you want to do that, or if you want to also show your support for the podcast and you want to buy merch, you can click the shop button. Go there, check out. I've got t-shirts, stickers. Uh, you can, you know, go in on your uh, Murder Hornet 2020 shirts. You can get your Murder Hornet 2020 presidential. Well, okay, I'm not going to say presidential campaign. He has not said he's running for president. He's running for office. Murder Hornet is running for office for 2020. So you can get a an official Murder Hornet campaign shirt or campaign sticker. Um, again... Thank you all so very much. Um, if you're listening to this on Apple iTunes, I ask you to do four things, four things, four things. Number one, subscribe. Then every week once this thing publishes, it'll pop up there in your, uh, in your ready to listen, your listen now suggestions. So awesome. Uh, then after you do that, leave a review. Please counteract the, uh, the single one-star review. Because someone who didn't even listen to the show decided that, yeah, I'm going to try to drag him via, via his Apple reviews. So please leave a five-star review, then or five-star rating, then leave a nice review. That way, as it pops up, that he has an overall rating of 4.8 stars. Oh, I might like this. Check it out. You know, let's see what other people say. Most people seem to like him. There's that one guy. Man, he must be a jerk. Eh, whatever. I'll check it out. And then finally, number four, please share. Share it on social media. Uh, copy the link. Send it to a friend who you think will enjoy it. As Alyssa said earlier in the show, she has, uh, you know, she has shared it with her nurse, who apparently enjoys the show because her nurse Tyler was laughing. That's good. As long as I can make somebody laugh while listening to this, that's all I care. I don't give a darn if you act, if I change any minds based on my opinion. More than likely, most people's minds won't be changed listening to me. But if I at least make you laugh even though you disagree with me, that's a win in my book. So share it with someone who you think will like it. If you really want to support me, share it with someone that's going to piss off. That's the best way, because I love spreading hate and discontent. It's it's what I do. That's why I refer to you all as miscreants, vandals, and ne'er-do-wells, because you're into the same things. Hate and discontent make the world go round in some way, shape, or form. Or bring it grinding to a halt, because everyone's just all pissed off. Either or, I don't care. Anyways, thank you all for listening, and as always, stay relentless. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.